1: Hello, everybody out there. Welcome to Take the Black Live, the one, the only, still the rainy, uh internet chat show where we talk about all things sci-fi, fantasy, movies, TV, space lasers, robots, swords, horses, and maybe even a Pegasus. My name is Dan uh, Selke, and I am the editor of WinnersComing.net. I'm here with Daniel <laughs> Roman, who is also the editor of WinnersComing.net. We edit the site together. Know. Daniel, how's 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 that working out for you? It's true. Uh, It's working out
2: well from where I'm sitting. It seems like a a synchronous good time. So, uh,
1: yeah. How are you, Dan? How are
2: all of you out there?
1: Hello, Andrew. Good to see you. My cat is not in the room. She wasn't here earlier, so I don't think she'll be uh, joining us today unless I open the door later. (laughs) Do not tell stories about your cat, Dan, that is not good content. Oh, whatever. She'll, like, paw at the door (laughs) sometimes to be let in, so if she does that, Maybe, maybe you'll see her. I hear the dog. Okay, but um, yeah. before before I start talking about my pets, uh, Daniel, and derail us before we even this is begin the pet show. What's what's on the agenda for today? What are we What, what are we discussing?
2: Well, we are going to be talking about, uh, I guess, just a lot of not pet related things. So we have some news. Uh, George R. Martin recently broke i don't even want to say broke his silence he said some stuff about the winds of winter oh, and anytime no. george r. r martin says some stuff about the winds of winter we're gonna talk about it and uh notably he said some stuff this I'm time little... that made me a little sad uh so we're gonna we're gonna discuss that we have some exciting news from hbo about their Duncan egg show uh the show, yeah. of the seven kingdoms the hedge knights uh the show of long and unwieldy titles uh So, yeah, we're going to talk about those things and then, you know, the usual what we're watching, what we're reading,
1: what we're doing with our lives. Um, I would say of a little um, other kind of preview just to give it to to give it some scope. I wonder if we'll talk about what authors owe their fan bases in the general Uh, sense and try to extract some general philosophical principles out of um, this discussion. we are an important podcast for important people talk about important things and wow, that's okay. why we're going to begin by discussing um what the 72 year old author who wears a little um delivery boy cap said
2: yeah so uh, a little bit of context uh basically george r, r. martin recently i believe it was oh, yeah. last week or maybe over the weekend did a the weekend before event- yeah yeah, he did an author on author discussion with Shadowhunters uh, author Cassandra Clare. Wow. And basically the the quote that made the rounds from this uh, is that he said, "I've been working I'm 12 years late with The Winds of Winter as we know. I'm just going to put it right out there. You guys don't need to pester me about it." Um and yeah, I think that's pretty damn fair. You don't need to pester him about it. What do you think, Dan? Do we need to pester him?
1: Do we want well, to write first in all, on
2: this? Then, then I'll hit the the larger takeaway from sure. it.
1: Sure. Um, well, for I, I also like that. Like Cassandra Clare was saying that her new book, uh, which I forget the name of, will be out in like March of twenty twenty-five. was like, King. Oh, which is a fun little title. Um, it's it's it hard is. to get good good fancy titles, and he was like, eh, The sad thing is that still might that still might beat the winds of winter. <laughs> yeah. Um, which which also implies it might not not beat the winds of winter so it might come before march 2025 <laughs> but he didn't say that for ages um he didn't sound optimistic uh yeah it's optimistic he sounded he always sounds in good humor about it which i really always like yeah. like maybe i'm jumping too far ahead but um whenever martin never. talks about the winds of winter never okay so <laughs> um in this future uh Whenever Martin talks about the winds of winter, he always says these kind of things. He always says, in this case, like, well, it still might might not be out by May of 2025. I know I'm late, guys. You're all the pester me. But I always have faith that it's coming along because he's making public appearances. He's talking about it openly. He's, um, you know, announcing on his blog that he's written this chapter or that chapter, wrapped up that viewpoint character. He's talking about how he's making TV shows. He's buying railroads. He's managing businesses. He's running theaters, running bookstores. He seems so active and sort of well-adjusted that even if I am upset by how slowly it's coming, I've never really lost faith that it's coming, yeah. uh, which is a bit of a contrast maybe to someone else we'll talk about.
2: Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, I, I think so in regards to the, the pestering thing. I can totally see where he's coming from because people are going to press. I get that. We get that even just writing about Martin that anytime anyone says anything about the man, it is inevitable that there will be comments of, Where's the book? Where's the book? I lost faith. Blah, blah, blah. Um, I do kind of agree with you that, uh, you know, there was a we'll say a dark night of the soul period uh, around the end of game of Thrones where he wasn't talking about the winds of winter for a sure. solid couple of years. And that was probably the most worried I was because like, I've been following Martin on his blog since Jesus, 2005. I want to say like it's the old. year that a feast for crows came out. So it, it, when he's uncharacteristically silent, it's more worrying than when he's you know giving these worries. Yeah you worry uh and in this case i was a little dispirited with the you know it's not coming it it might still not be out by 2025 march but at the same time it's like at this point we've all waited like 12 years like what's another year take your time and get Mm, it kind of kind of uh so yeah i do think it's an interesting question though like do authors owe their readers books in series that they've started. And (laughs) Andrew Haley was
1: born in 2005. Ah, He's been alive (laughs) longer. uh, (laughs) man,
2: Andrew, I have been waiting for the, for new books from George R. R. Martin longer than you have been alive. That puts it into perspective, Uh, (laughs) but at the same time, uh, so you brought up a good point about Martin. It's, the, the question we kind of wanted to grapple with a little bit is, do authors owe us books in long-awaited series like this? Um, and the reason that it's kind of worth discussing this week is because a different author with a long-awaited book series sequel uh, also made headlines, uh, Patrick Rothfuss, uh, the author of The King Killer Chronicle, uh, so that's two books, The Name of the Wind and The Wise Man's Fear, um, he had kind of a whole snafu like a year and a half ago where he promised he'd release a chapter from his third book, The Doors of Stone. He used that as an incentive for charity, and then he never released it. Um, and that has kind of dragged on it now. Look. It is a bad look. At it. You know, it's now a year and a half later. And basically this, I think it was last week, he kind of broke he broke his silence. We can say that for this because it's true. Sure. Like he had pointedly not really talked about this for months and months and months. And he basically said, um, I don't have the the full quote in front of me, but he had tried to make it a bigger project. Uh, he called in a bunch of favors for voice actors rather than just like barfing it up onto his blog, which like uh, weird, but OK. Um, yes, uh-huh. It kind of you know, discussed how he had started editing this chapter and now he doesn't know whether he finishes editing it and all this. And basically now it's a year and a half later and people donated to this thing and he didn't deliver. And that is, a, to me, a much bigger deal than just an author taking their time on a book. Um, So, yeah, what do you think about this, Dan? Uh, do you Actually, think uh what are your thoughts do you think authors os books do you think they should take all the time they need um you know what are your thoughts
1: i think it's a multifaceted question daniel Um, yeah it is first of all i want to say so this is on the edge of bad taste right because i'm going to be analyzing i'm going to be like talking about this (laughs) i me what i'm going to say I, okay. I, 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 I can't speak for you. Well, you're giving because the basically, disclaimer. <laughs> I'm, yes, I, I am disclaiming. It's very <laughs> it's important. Because okay. basically I'm like psychoanalyzing two people I've never met. I, I, I look at George R. R. Martin. Always and I healthy. See, always <laughs> healthy. And, and I see someone who's industrious. I see someone who's putting a lot of work out there and who has done work. Like He's put out books since dance the dragon it's just not the book everyone wants to read oh yeah like he's he's written episodes of tv he's done all this he owns all these businesses he seems busy and he seems healthy and and that's why i've never really worried about the winds of winter like i want it but like you said it's been 12 years whatever it seems like it's coming along fine uh you look at a guy like patrick roth this and i don't get that sense i get a sense of there's some kind of cloud hanging over his life like i don't know him personally obviously i don't know what he's dealing with i know there have been like allusions to some you know personal he's problems he
2: said he's had some personal stuff yeah, yeah.
1: but like and in, in that case when like he promised one chapter for charity and you can't produce that in years and years after people give up money for it yeah it, it does it does not give off the same aura of I'm more or less in a good place for just taking a long time with this book um, vibe that I get from Martin. I agree. Now, so far as do authors owe fans books, the answer is n- no. I don't think they do. But um, there's a bit of a nuance there. So, are you aware of uh, like I think it was 2020? Uh, the editor mm-hmm. of uh, Patrick Rothfuss's editor Betsy, Betsy Wolheim, Wolheim, went Wolheim? on. Well, what, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, went on Facebook and put a comment that she since deleted. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically saying that she hadn't seen really anything from the Doors of Stone and basically saying, I'm going to paraphrase, that no, authors don't owe fans books. Um, authors might owe publishers books because uh, they sign Definitely. contracts and <laughs> yeah. publishing companies are not, you know, ter- it's, it's 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 not like it's an investment bank or a giant tech firm. They're not incredibly lucrative. They depend on big sellers to get them by. Yes. So, Very much. Maybe so. so Maybe you don't owe it to the fans, but maybe you do owe it to your contractually obligated um, companies that you sign with. And uh, so that is a wrinkle. I think it's it's worth putting out there. Yeah. Uh, And I mean, I I hope Patrick Rothfuss is okay. But that's where I stand on the kind of why does the wait for the Winds of Winter feel feel different than the wait for the Doors of Stone? And to me. It's because of the vibes. I get good vibes from Martin and I get sort of rough vibes from Patrick Rothfuss.
2: Yeah. And I think so that is a very good point about the publisher. Um, If so, anyone listening, if you are interested about this, uh, I did a a very deep dive into specifically the situation with Patrick Rothfuss and his publisher you can find on winterscoming.net. I think it's uh, will we ever see the doors of stone? It's complicated because it is. Because, you know, his publisher, Daw Books, was a an independent publisher. So they distributed through a very large one, but they were still independently owned. And they did have, you know, they were relying on him as a big seller. And, you know, that was kind of like shockingly transparent to see an editor come out and say things like that. Um, So it yes. is definitely. A and I believe it was deleted. How the it comment, affected it was I had to I so I quoted those comments in the article mm. I just referenced and I had to like dig them up. I think on Reddit, I found an archive. God of bless Reddit. Yeah. Yeah. God bless Reddit for this sort of stuff. Um, And yeah, it, it's hard. You know, you have to emphasize the difference in these two situations. So on the one hand, like Patrick Rothfuss, this is his first book series. And there is a little bit of a feeling of kind of like always promising and then not delivering and maybe that has affected him in a negative way you know in personal ways he's talked about it a little bit stayed a little you know not quite as transparent as someone like scott lynch uh who wrote the lies of Lock lamora who's a similar long-awaited situation but he's been very very transparent with his fans about uh, like depression and and having Mm. issues showing people what he's working on um but but Rothfuss with stuff like this like this you know the charity chapter thing it's like that's a single chap like we're talking like anywhere from 10 to maybe 30 pages over a year and a mm-hmm. half that you're like agonizing over editing um for I don't, something
1: i donated like
2: 6 you don't buy it for, right
1: it it, it 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 doesn't pass the smell test it doesn't it, pass the common sense test
2: it it is there is definitely something more than just the writing going on there that is stopping it. And I I don't want to psychoanalyze. Like I don't know his situation well enough, but so you have that. And (laughs) okay. Um, That the hard thing is like, he's I saw a calendar he's doing. That's like donate to charity and get this calendar of Bost for his new novella that's coming out, which is a remake of an old novella he released. So it's a new version of that with like a hundred new pages. Um, and I kind of like, I got a weird feeling in my stomach when I saw the, buy this calendar and donate to charity. Cause it's like, I don't know, man, like the last time you did a donate to charity thing, it's now become like a relatively large controversy in this narrow, in this space. Sure. In this space, um, on the flip side of this. So Martin, uh, we had an article talking about what Rothfuss said about his chapter and whatever. And that made its way to Reddit on the R books, R slash books subreddit. There was a comment on there I thought was so on point about Martin and the difference here because Martin is the yeah, opposite Reddit, end of the good. spectrum. Uh Rothfuss is doing this stuff at the beginning of his career with his first series. Martin, it's like he's in his sunset years. He's in his 70s when most people are retired, even if he lives another 20 years. It's still like, you know, like the sunset years of his life. Uh, Retired at
1: 72? Not in this economy. Okay, sorry, go on.
2: Yeah, totally. So this comment from uh, you slash Jade Rust, I thought was really succinctly put this. Uh, I've since moved, but I used to be in Albuquerque and saw GRRM fairly regularly at local cons since he lives in Santa Fe. From attending some of those talks, I can tell you that the man is busy. He owns a literal railroad. He's a producer on multiple TV shows and is working on getting some of the books he used to love back into publication. So that's not his books even, just other books he thinks are worthy of readers. He's Thank a producer you. of his yeah, he's a producer of his own film company that's making and sending short films to various festivals. He's one of the major investors behind Meow Wolf, which is an art installation that you can walk through that is very cool. Um, and apparently helps write the backstories for all the Meow Wolf locations. He owns a bookshop. He's writing other stuff and backstory to help him get the GOT series together. Uh, I assume that's the the spinoffs for HBO. He's really involved in the art scene in Santa Fe and helping with programs to support young artists. The man has a lot of spinning plates going. I didn't realize how much until I attended a talk where he was going on about his various projects And I realized that he could spend the rest of his life working on things that are not Game of Thrones related and never skip a day of work. Um, And that's just so on point for this guy. It's not, he's slacking. It's not, there's some thing that's preventing him. Like you don't realize until you, you know, like this person said they went to Albuquerque or they lived in Albuquerque. I visited Santa Fe once and like in a local restaurant, they're like, what's going on around Santa Fe, like local magazine they have. It was George R. R. Martin on the cover and talking about like (laughs) not Game of Thrones, but like all the philanthropist work he does in the area and why it's so important for the area. Um, It's just a night and day difference. And yeah, it, it gets a lot more grace from me. So what are your thoughts about this? Cause I just rambled a whole bunch.
1: I think I shared them. I think I shared them like really well. Um, I do want to say that uh, I want to have a disclaimer of this is all alleged. Uh, We neither confirm nor deny that um, we we have no inside information. This is all opinion, not legally actionable. (laughs) True. Uh, We cannot be sued over this because it's just all of our impressions. We send nothing but good feelings and good vibes out to both of these people. Yeah, Um, I want to read both of these. Because we do. Of course. I
2: mean. I want to read the winds of winter i will read the doors of stone but i i'm a little over waiting for it personally
1: speaking of that i did like uh nicole's comment which is is a big one uh saying that from a business marketing standpoint the longer he i assume martin takes the less people will be interested or remember about the winds of winter of course the hardcore fans will care but general public has largely moved on i honestly don't know if i agree with that i mean i agree that he should have released it in a year or two of the shows ending for the best sales But honestly, honestly, I don't if if that book comes out, I think people are still invested enough in this whole thing, that it will be a big deal. It'll be like a big book launch. It'll be very big. I don't think we've moved on as much as I don't know. As much as I don't know that, that they've moved on from the hunger gang or some other thing i really think it'll be a huge deal when it comes out if it comes out Sure. and, and, it, and I, I do think it'll come out rick has a very long comment uh let's talking about daniel abraham one half of the writing duo uh, that writes the expanse with um james say Corey? it's true was George R. martin's assistant and low research for a song of and fire for years until he dedicated himself to collaborating on the expanse books Uh, Rick is convinced that Martin cannot figure out how to wrap a song of ice and fire and that Abraham was perhaps a determinative factor in keeping him in the narrative production, productive and moving forward in some coherent Mm. fashion. Interesting. Martin has indulged a sprawling and undisciplined tale at this point. I agree that he has definitely sprawled out probably too much, That he Mm -hmm. has essentially created the heat death of ice and fire. This is fire stuff. The universe he has given life to has expanded and the story diluted to the point where it can no longer be control- collared and its myriad characters arcs tied up, certainly not without keeping him focused and disciplined, without some keeping focused and disciplined. He has moved on to all sorts of other pursuits because he cannot figure out how to actually finish Song of Fire. And Abraham was the difference between plotting productivity and Deer in the Headlights. More bundity, More abundity. That being said, Martin owes no one anything. It's his creation. Ooh, it's a good-ass comment. Uh, I definitely uh... agree that it spilled over and it got really, really sprawling. I don't. I'm. I'm not prepared to theorize about whether Abraham leaving was a determinant factor. Same. It's. I. I think. I think it's pretty clear that between A Storm of Swords and A Feast for Crows, he the story did become less disciplined. It did become less tight. It did become more sprawling. Um. I think that can be reined in. Like he said, all you got to do is kill off some characters and focus the story again and get them all in the same area, and suddenly mm-hmm. there isn't. You're not covering like 18,000 people on corners of the world. It can be done. And that Uh, is what this book needs to do. Yeah. My read was always that his editor stopped telling him no after the sales got bigger. um, That maybe there are people like who aren't because clearly he isn't willing to make like harsh cuts. Um, I think his editor should lean on him more for that. But this is all speculation. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. I do think it'll come out and I'm looking forward to it and I'm probably it'll probably be more like the last two books a little more just all the details all the time where like I'll bet my editor brain will want to edit the winds of winter. I'll put it that way w- w- when it comes out. I'll bet I could be wrong. Yeah, Um, but I still think it's a little juice within it. I-, I-, I don't think he doesn't know how to wrap things up. I, uh, I agree with that. I, I think when you take the long look at Martin's
2: career too, like he's written a lot of stories. He's written many books. Like yeah. he knows how to end a book, but this is a long sprawling series. You, you are right, Rick. Um, And that has kind of been the name of the game, not from the middle of the series, but since the start, like he pitched this as a trilogy. Yeah. And then the first <laughs> book became three books. Like, so, uh, I'm not prepared to speculate on the Daniel Abraham thing either. I think it's probably a little more complicated than that. Um, But at the same time, I I do agree, one, that he doesn't owe anyone anything. Uh, Again, this is if he finishes it, maybe his his publisher time. Well, definitely, definitely his publisher, because there are contracts and things. (laughs) Although it is worth noting, I think Martin has probably fulfilled things to his publisher relatively well. Yeah, yeah, you're you're probably right but like they're making bank off of all of the other ways Mm, he has found mm. to monetize uh, a song by some fire. And like, let's keep in mind, his publisher told him to set aside the winds of winter to write fire and blood because he was really moving on that. So there's clearly some communication there. Um, and they clearly have a, a, you know, his editors are not posting, shit about him on
1: social yeah, media yeah. they're making money uh, they are making they money are, off george they R. are Martin. Making,
2: yeah and, and daw does still make money on patrick rothfuss too uh sure of course the, the name of the wind and the wise man's fear do still sell they have a new novella oh, really? coming out actually next month uh the, that we mentioned earlier uh the narrow road between desires so yeah i think what joe said at this point i think the national media will cover the winds of winter if it gets released like probably um i i don't see why <laughs> Why they wouldn't, it It is going to be a big deal when it gets released. That's the thing with like, the everyone gave up on it.
1: It's like, sure, Jan. Um, it's going to be written up in like the New York Times. Everywhere's going to write about it. Yeah.
2: It <laughs> yeah. It may be that like, you know, some fans are angry and bitter and like, we should probably stop oh, all there'll like, be jokes. Checking his there'll blog be memes too. It's on it. Yeah, like like if you're going to wait like wait with baited breath for a series, there're probably healthier ways to do that than these two that we're talking about. But like people are going to read these books if and whenever they come out. And I think it's a whenever, especially for Martin, but
1: maybe generally too julie says that she's given up on it but if it happens i reserved her to change my mind which i think exactly. is a great perspective yeah
2: i agree there are so many good books published every single year like you don't really need to just wait for a song of ice and fire if you like go read malazan there's there's like 10 of those they're great
1: or the first law by joe Abercrombie. i also uh love the first rick's law. other comment which i Disc- comparing George R.R. to Tom Clancy, I didn't. Clancy, w- Clancy was huh. infamous for depicting ten chapters out of seventy to the life cycle of a tree that was seeded, sprouted, chopped down, milled, loaded on a truck, lashed to a ship's aboard in a storm, and finally fouled the propeller of a submarine just to force a single momentary plot point. criminy Kermit- that sounds deep. Tom Clancy, the Rainbow Six guy, did that. I didn't know sounds that. Deep. I I didn't either. I don't really read Clancy. Um, I read one fancy book when I was younger and I didn't like it. I can't, I didn't go back. Um, I didn't know what fair. what book is that? What spy thriller does that happen in? Pretty cool, yeah. I wanted um, to
2: see you just sold us on it, Rick. That's why the editor didn't take it bit. out. <laughs> like, I've never seen that before. I want to know more.
1: I haven't thought of Tom Clancy in years, and now yeah. I'm a, I'm I'm a little intrigued as to do in that book. Now I'm not going to be able to stop thinking about Tom Clancy. I'm going to Google Tom Clancy, the Tree Book, tree. And see what comes up. <laughs> All right. um, but yeah, Is so it-
2: that's I was just going to say that's more or less the gist of what's going on with uh, George R. Martin with Patrick Rothfuss, um, and generally. Wish them both well, hope that they, you know, are both in good places and yes. are doing work that they enjoy and are feeling good about. Um, yeah. But yeah, if you are tired of waiting, maybe uh, go pick up another book because there are lots of them from authors.
1: Yeah. Learn uh, how to do skateboard tricks. There are things you can do learn, with your time. Or
2: learn to do skateboard tricks. Let's see um, you, Julie. Uh, nice. It was the sum of all fears, says Rick.
1: Noted now we That's need a to famous know famous one it has a tree it i didn't know it, it had 10 it is. of tree life i'm gonna have to look it up all um, right um shall we move let, on let's let's yes let's move on okay speaking of songwriters and fire tv what's happening in that realm um
2: the other big uh westeros news that broke in the past week is that uh at westeroses on twitter or x whatever i'll never call it x sorry elon But also not sorry, Elon, why are you breaking my favorite social media
1: site? I Um, feel like they are really slow to adopt the new name. Eventually, things turn over when like it's a rebranding. But this one, Twitter, it seems to be sticking around. But that's really neither here nor there.
2: Yep. Uh, So anyway, uh, the Song of Ice and Fire fan account on Twitter noticed that UK casting director Lucy Bevan, who is working on a night of the Seven Kingdoms, the Hedge Knight, put out a casting call. And that cast and call sounds a lot like the descriptions for Dunk and Egg. So Mm -hmm. the two descriptions, there's a boy aged nine to ten, physically small. The character is wise beyond his years, confident and witty. He has a neutral English accent. It's egg. egg. And is white with blue slash green eyes and pale skin. Must be under four foot six and at least nine years old by March 2024 for licensing.
1: Yes, Dan. Um, don't boys who are nine years old and under four foot six grow to be taller than four foot six? See Isaac Hempstead Wright, who is like eight feet tall.
2: They've only got to be four foot six for season one. Then they can grow. Oh, yeah, that's time true. I jumps guess. Okay, in okay Egg, that's true. That's true. Good, which point, good point. I guess we we should mention this for I assume if you're watching this podcast you probably know what Duncan Egg is. But Duncan Egg are Martin's uh novellas. It's about Sir Duncan the Tall, a knight and his squire Egg. They travel around Westeros on adventures. Uh they're a little, you know, they're shorter, they're charming. Um they all the three that he's put out are in a book called A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms. Um but yeah, the other description is for a soldier aged 18 to 25. The soldier is very Duncan. tall and physically strong. He has a humble disposition and is perceptive and thoughtful. Any ethnicity must be at least six foot four. I love that we've okay, got some height yeah. inversions there. We need a four foot six egg. We need a six foot four dunk. Um, what do you think, Dan? Is are we? Is this
1: what we're looking at? Is dunk an egg? Oh, yeah, it is. I mean, m- my... My big thing here is that I think they said it was going to like film in 2024, which I think is faster than most of us assume that Night of the Seven Kingdoms show would be going into production because out uh, of the Seven yeah. Kingdoms, this kind of novella, like you said, George Martin set between House of the Dragon and Game of Thrones, lighter in tone. I mean, yeah. we've always thought it would be a good spinoff. Um, yep. I just g- go into worry mode whenever I see them. I love that Game of Thrones is like the classy cinematic universe where it doesn't have <laughs> too much going on. It's not like Marvel and Star Wars fire hoses of content. It's like every once in so a while glad. we come on, slap you with something great and then um, rest for a bit. I hope that continues. I Then again, it if the show is good, like a reality where House of the Dragon airs a season one year and then Dunkin' Egg the next year and then flips back would be pretty great, yeah. uh, but we'll see what happens. I just hope they give it the time they need, because for a while Same. the writer's strike was on um, and they couldn't work on it. And Now that's over. Now the actor is still on, but I'm guessing the actor strike wouldn't apply because everyone will be English and as we know, England hates workers is what we've Apparently. learned during the writer's strike. They have like no labor protections for strikes uh, so you can go ahead and hire them all you want. I just hope because, obviously, obviously, the swamp material is good enough to make a great show, and the track record is good enough to make a great show. I hope it turns out to be a great show. I hope they don't rush it. Um, Tom Hopper would make a great dunk, but we'll see if that happens. Tom he's older Hopper, than their, what, what what they're asking, but
2: yep, whatever. He's, that that's uh, yeah, that's the Umbrella Academy, right? That's the guy. I'm, yeah, yeah, he's always Paul, been my dream cast. I love. I would have. You know, if they had done Duncan Egg years ago, he would have been the one where I was like, please just cast Tom Hopper. Um now I, I kinda hope they get unknowns for Duncan Egg, honestly. And they can fill out all sure. of the you know, the parts around them, which a lot of them kind of come and go through the series. Like Duncan Egg are really the only two like real on screen yeah. recurring characters in those novellas. So they can get like appealing you know, for a TV show. Yeah, they can get like really big names to fill out those secondary roles and they just come on for a season, have a banger role and then leave. And it's really memorable. Um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus
1: is Tanya Targaryen. Yeah, that'd be fun.
2: Boom, I'd watch it. Um, who said, Julie said, hasn't, uh, George R. R. Martin said he is going to do more Duncan egg stories too.
1: He said a lot of things. Oh
2: God. Yeah. So when the news first broke that they were doing this show, I was like, oh, this is great. You know, he's talked about wanting to do more. Now they can do them as this show if he doesn't have time to write them. And then like the next day he was like, I still have eight or 10 or 12 more of them. I want to write. And I was like, George, you're not making this easy for me. Um, but yeah, so he does want to do more. I think. Dunkin' Egg is kind of uniquely positioned where even if they ran out of source material, they could probably still make a pretty good show because they're such like self-contained stories. Mm -hmm. It's not the Song of Ice and Fire issue where it's how do we wrap up, you know, these myriad plot lines like Rick mentioned and we need to figure that out when George R. R. Martin hasn't even figured it out. This is just like he hasn't prioritized Dunkin' Egg over Winds of Winter. That's why we don't have more of them, which is the The right call to me. Or um, maybe
1: not prioritized um, them over, like we said, Meow Wolf or his railroad or um, wild cards or all the other stuff he does. That's the issue well, with that one. You
2: know, those are all different things. I, I do think it's important to note that, like George R. Martin doing things like producing shows or working on his businesses is a that's personal a, it's attack on me is a personal attack on you. And it's also mm-hmm. using different like mental muscles versus True. like writing a different book instead of the book he should be writing. Like that is a yeah. very, you know, that that's a similar, it's easy to see the takeaway there. And he's explicitly said he can't write more Duncan egg until he finishes the winds of winter. So
1: like, that is the reason yes. I'm not even speculating. Um, no, 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 yeah, th- I know he, he said that like, um because of a train metaphor, much like a train, He's on Ooh, one nice. track and must transfer to the other. He's not like someone mentioned Stephen King right there. Stephen King, who you know does some cocaine and then can like write short stories, books, and anything else he wants all the time. Not anymore. Not anymore. True. He still <laughs> writes a lot.
2: We can we can say Brandon Sanderson though because Sanderson Brandon has, Sanderson. Yes, we can. He has specifically talked about how he likes to switch projects between you know, what he's working on. That's the whole reason he didn't, didn't just write the first five stormlight archive books back to back. It helps rejuvenate him to write other smaller books in between them. And instead we have 20 Brandon Sanderson books. Uh, so, I'm so looking forward to reading a out. Brandon
1: Sanderson book. I have like a couple pages to go in the three body problem. And then it's off nice. to Sanderson land. I'm going nice. to ask you which one I should read. Cause you are the expert. I know I will give you some options because
2: the nice right. thing about Sanderson is there are a lot of good on-ramps into into the Cosmere.
1: Um, after the yeah. wheel of... Philip uh, Plus asks, after the Winds of Winter is finished, should George R. R. Martin never have his energy to finish the Duncan Egg series or a Dream of Spring? Uh, God, best case scenario, he takes again, best case scenario, a couple months and writes a Duncan Egg story and then it's on to a Dream of Spring. That's but what I would say to him... Too. God, heaven knows how long it takes him to do stuff. Um, But we'll see. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it.
2: Yeah. And again, it's the,
1: I don't want to say it's the end of his
2: life. Like it's all relative, but he's in his (laughs) seventies. Do you, you know what I mean though? Like it's, it's different than like, I I made the Sanderson comparison, but like Sanderson's in his forties, like he's cruising through the middle of his career and he's already starting to think about, I only Mm -hmm. have limited time. Martin, like, like Julie said, he has the right to do whatever he wants to do, um, but it makes it hard to follow him if fans don't trust him to finish
1: stuff, which is a shame because he is a good writer. And I mean, that's all true. People of a certain age, though, it's very different from person to person. Like every 30 year old you can assume is probably capable of like, you know, working a job, coming home, doing stuff at home like. There are 72-year-olds like Martin who seem to have the energy and verve and get-tuitiveness of a much younger person. And then there are 72-year-olds who are, like, walking death. Um, And I don't know. I'm not much prepared to say that, like, he's in the sunset of his years. Because sometimes some people at that age are really, really active and are still chugging like like they're in their younger years. Some are not. Sure.
2: I, I'm not saying that as a as a comment on his health. I'm just saying it as, I think as the I, I'm not. I'm
1: mm-hmm.
2: I'm not. George, mm-hmm. I hope you're doing well. <laughs> I'm saying it just as like the the part of his career he's in. He has a bunch of work sure. behind him yes, yes, at this does. point. And the stuff he has ahead of him are like what parts of his basically Magnum opus, Westeros, can he get finished in the years he has? And I I am all in favor of like I'll read anything he writes whenever he writes it.
1: So but yeah, sorry, uh, I didn't want to impugn and um, project mm-hmm. that you have some kind of um, problem with the elderly. So say right now, Thank Daniel Roman, for
2: clearing is that not
1: up. is not, um, not bigoted against the elderly. No, I am and not. You know he's not. Because why else would we have to clarify that he isn't? All right, what is talking <laughs> today, Daniel?
2: Did we did we have to clarify? <laughs> um, so. <laughs> Uh, we're going to move into, I think, the what are we watching slash reading portion of the show. So all of you out there listening, uh, what are you watching or reading? And Dan, I'm going to kick it over to you. What are, what media are you consuming
1: in your life right now? I've seen the finale of Our Flag Means Death that airs tomorrow. Um, it's, it's not bad. Uh, it's not great either. And people don't talk about it. I predict this might be the last season. And it... I'll give you a little preview. Just don't tell anybody. It does kind of end. They could end it here, and it'd be fine. Um, which I think might interesting. We'll see. I'm enjoying Loki um, on Disney yeah. Plus. I think this, is, this is only the best Marvel series that's coming along in a while. I like that. Um, you can. I like how uh, practical the sets look. That yes. L- the, oh, it's it, it it adds so much just like like visual interest. Um, it does. I that last episode with with Jonathan Majors bringing it in a big way it actually felt like things were moving like in that Ahsoka show I'm sorry like it never felt like anything moved forward and in this Loki show I feel like there is movement you can never I can never trust Marvel cuz they 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 tend to have <laughs> a reset it back to zero uh habit um but I'm enjoying that more than I have recent Marvel shows that's nice I saw Killers of the Flower Moon over the Ooh, weekend. Oh, did you? How was it's it? A th- it was good. It's a three and a half hour um, historical epic about a real event where Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro team up to kill Native Amer- rich Native Americans for their oil money. Um, I mean, I don't think it needs to be this long. Like, if you want to make these, like, kind of smaller, intimate like actor like tr- driven movies and you want them people to see them. I almost want to say like get lob 20 minutes off that and like just make it a little more palatable and then you'll get more money and then you'll be able to make more movies like this. Because it's a serious movie. It's like it has yeah. a real topic. It's tackling it something does. that's intense and there's like discourse around it that's interesting. Like we can talk about how responsible is it with and how it depicts the Native Americans um, uh, community of the tribe that I forget the name of? Oh, sage. There we go. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, it, 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 like the, the performances are, are, are really like rounded and full, and it's just really it's cool to watch. And it, it's kind of an old school, and I want them to make more, more, more movies like this, and I'm afraid they won't if no one goes to see this one because it's three and a half hours long. Uh, so that is one of my thoughts, but overall I enjoyed it. Cool. Yeah. I, so I have not seen it yet. I'm
2: one of the the rare oddballs. I love a long movie. Like I'll sit through, through a three and a half hour movie without complaint. Oh um, <laughs> like, I mean, that's, that's just me, but I do understand what you're saying. I think that's really fair. I think um, it is interesting. The discourse has been very interesting about it. You um, you know, A lot of people really talking up how much Martin Scorsese kind of relied on like the Osage um, tribal like knowledge center, basically, like in order to make this movie and how wonderful that is. Um, But also how interesting it is that like the movie centers Leonardo DiCaprio's character, uh, the person committing atrocities instead of the yeah, the people being uh you know having the atrocities committed against them. Um so it's interesting. I'm glad that it exists. I I I'm excited to see it, but I, I think you have a good thoughts, point yeah. about, you know, you you your point that uh if it were shorter, <laughs> maybe it, it would encourage more
1: people to go see it is probably fair. Um Nicole did just say that she wants to see it, but it's too long. Although Andrew um loves yeah, long movies and Uh, Andrew says, and Andrew says, the longer the better. That's what she said, which is a reference to a classic situation comedy from the (laughs) 2000s, 2010s called The Office.
2: Oh, nice. Julie says she's watching Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, It's about the only thing that's interesting to me at the moment. Wish the Umbrella Academy would hurry up. Yeah, Umbrella Academy is coming back next year for its fourth and final final season. season. We'll be watching it. Um, I so Loki. You make a good point about Loki, and I uh, I've been watching that too, and man, it, it's interesting because I'm having the most fun with Loki that I've had with a Marvel show in ages. It's and definitely still, the
1: best in a while,
2: definitely. And so much of that is like how much they just like made a, a traditional show. Like the writing is very <laughs> sharp. With like Loki's yeah. using his powers in interesting ways. The the back and forth banter, like they just kind of let Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson like make their magic
1: they Um, definitely have good chemistry and the show lets the chemistry chemistry. sort of be combustible yeah
2: yeah the practical sets uh man i've noticed that in every episode i've been like this is why yeah this is why they've it bothers me that disney has come to over rely on the volume so much which is Mm -hmm. the 3d soundstage that's in everything which is why like that final fight in secret invasion, like it's in a circular room because they're in the volume and it's a circle. Right. Um, yeah. with mean,
1: so, Clark with a giant Schwarzenegger arm. Yeah. That was crazy.
2: Yeah. So I, I am enjoying Loki. I think it's interesting because Marvel really does have like fan trust to win back right now. I think Loki is easily their best yes. swing at starting that yeah. ball rolling. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm kind of rooting for keep it. it keep it up. Keep, keep it up. Loki um aside from that i so i watched another episode of the walking dead daryl dixon so i'm getting caught up on that i'm like halfway through the season um and that's great uh the walking dead kind of surprising me with uh how good these spinoffs are folk have liked it yeah well they're i think they're really like they basically just took some of their best characters and were like here we're gonna give you mini series and just try to make them really good and interesting And The Walking Dead kind of got so unfocused in its later seasons that it kind of lost a lot of its tension. So it's able to bring that back and do different stuff with it. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm really enjoying Daryl Dixon. Um, Beyond that, I've been watching the One Piece anime. Season two is going to be nuts. Yeah, (laughs) I'm right. I'm coming up on uh, an arc called Alabasta, which is a really famous arc in the anime and manga and yeah, some of the stuff coming in season two is going to be crazy. Woo! I'm excited. Should I uh,
1: watch the anime? You recommend it? Yes.
2: That? Yes. It is so, okay, so fun. It's such a fun, feel good show. And if you enjoyed the humor from the live action show, like the anime has it too. Like the anime has it so much. It, the humor is so mm-hmm. perfect and wholesome. Um, <laughs> I would give it a chance. Like what's the worst maybe that could happen? They're like 20, 20 minute episodes. I've They're liked so an easy anime to put in my on.
1: day or two. Sure. Well, it, it. I'm also, it, I, I will also say I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, wa- so I'm watching the winter King and I'm almost oh, yeah, done. How it. is that? It's, it's getting better towards the end. I thought the last episodes were, were the strongest they've had. I am concerned um, too little too late because you mm. really, if there was ever a, a show that could have justified the whole drop three episodes all at once at the top thing, it would have been this one. And instead, uh, they do it one at oh, a time. I see. Yeah. And have all the, just they have week after week of slow, silly, wrong headed episodes. And now it's finally getting a bit better. And I'm like, mm-hmm. is anybody left? I don't know. <laughs> that's,
2: that's rough. You know, it's nice that it's getting better. The Winter King has had an interesting run. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of the things you pointed out as someone who, you know, you read those books when you were a lot younger and you know a them really one. well. Um, it seems like they've had a hard time kind of really finding their footing, but I hope they get a second season, right? They should do I more seasons I, of it.
1: No, I'm I'm not sure if they deserve that. I, I'm going to okay. see the last two episodes and then I'll decide.
2: Gotcha. Fair. Um, yeah, I haven't checked it out.
1: I'm not really running to. Oh yeah. Uh, don't you're, you're, you're fine.
2: Yeah. I am kind of curious. That's on MGM Plus, right? MGM Plus, the
1: Dreaming. number 18 streaming service yeah. in the world. Yeah.
2: I, I am curious about they have a show called Beacon 23 coming oh, out yeah, next Lena month Heedy. with Lena Headey, Yeah, that's based on a book by Hugh Howie, who's the dude who wrote Silo. Um he's popping I'm off. I'm curious but yeah, he's getting that uh that plus streaming service uh hat trick almost. He's got Roth can not get to make King Killer. That's, well, he's got to finish King Killer. Um, he <laughs> finished finished uh, the wool series quite a while ago. Um, but yeah, so those are coming up. Um, I saw a comment that I wanted to hit and I have lost it. Oh, Andrew asked if the whole One Piece anime is on Netflix, to which I say, That's cute. The whole One Piece anime is not done, uh, it's still running. Uh, okay. so
1: they have a lot of it, but since long- like. 1999, six six years before Andrew was born, I believe. Yeah, they are well into the
2: thousand plus episode range of the anime, but there are a whole lot of them on Netflix, and you can enjoy it without needing all that. Like, I'm on around episode 60, 70 almost, and it's great. (laughs) You're not a tenth done. (laughs) I'm not a (laughs) tenth done, and it's a blast, and I'm so glad I'm not a tenth done because it's just like good wholesome fun. I, okay. you know, the songs are really catchy. It's like hanging songs. out with your friends on, on the go and marry. Like it's great. I totally, I hope Netflix does a whole lot of seasons of the live action show because it's got so much potential. Um, But yeah, the, the only other thing I wanted to mention, I did finish a book this week. That's really good that I wanted to talk about Ship by Michael Mame. Um, So this is a book. About a generation ship that is going toward a okay. planet they are looking to colonize. And it's got kind of like Game of Thrones expanse vibes with like all the different factions on the ship, like the scientists mm-hmm. and their politicians and farmers cool. who are like organizing a strike. And it's like mm. as they get close to this planet, the political situation starts to pick up where everyone wants different things before they get there.
1: Uh, um, makes sense.
2: Yeah, it's a really, really cool book. Uh, I finished it this week. I'm going to be reviewing it soon. But yeah, definitely worth checking out.
1: Oh, I'd really fast. We're watching the third season of, of For All Mankind because the fourth season's coming out next Ooh, month. That show is, is, is so good. It's so good. That show is so good. If cool. any of you have Apple TV+, check out For All Mankind, kind of a, um alternate American history where the space race with the Soviets never ended. Just cool. really well put together. Just... Um, enough like hard science to make it sort of plausible but still very focused on the characters and the history and the stories really really good show that i don't hear talked about yeah. enough nothing will ever yeah. beat my precious no one talks this enough baby warrior but <laughs> <"For> all <laughs> mankind is 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 second yeah. in terms of the i i will evangelize this show because it 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 deserves more fans
2: It is just, it is the Warrior comparison is a good one because just like Warrior, I don't hear a lot of people talk about For All Mankind, Mm -hmm. but I've never heard someone talk badly about it. The only, everyone who watches it seems to be like this show is great. Um, Why are more people watching it? So, yeah, For All Mankind and Warrior, Warriors on Max, For All Mankind's on Apple TV Plus. Worth a watch if you need Warriors uh, on Max and also in my heart always. Yes. Um, Leo said, "Who saw that awesome FX Fargo trailer featuring John Hamm? Not me, but hey, that's nice.
1: I Actually, just watched it before we started this. And it's coming on was- back. John Hamm was in it. John Hamm's everywhere. Yeah, Hamm. Good
2: I'm almost. waiting for that that Fargo creator Noah Hawley's Alien show. I'm yes, probably not going to watch Fargo, but when the Alien show comes out, I'm going to be all over that.
1: Zeno, morph." Yes. Right. Should we get onto the Wick News Lightning Woo! Round where we go over stories we didn't have time to cover in the main body of the show and give our 20 second lightning fast opinions? I think that
2: would be prudent because uh this has been quite <laughs> a show. Thanks for hanging with us, everyone. Don't
1: aren't they always?
2: They are. They are always. Uh Dan, why don't you kick us
1: off on oh, is there a pet? There's either no, a pet or a fly. Andrew said John Ham's behind me. Just like that's I'm glad you checked. Hmm. I should be so lucky. OK, well, that's uh, <laughs> yeah. It. You read the first one. OK, Daniel. Seconds yes. the clock. Uh The Fallout TV show that Amazon is making is coming out on Amazon Prime Video on April 12th of next year.
2: Yeah. The people who made Westworld are making a show based on the Fallout video games. Uh, got a release date really excited for this fallout is one mm-hmm. of those series that like it's got such a great sense of humor it would totally make a good show i just hope it it is done well because this one has a lot of uh potential to be a great video game adaptation i think
1: cool we'll see
2: yeah uh speaking of john ham related things so good omens sure. lost its co-showrunner uh, I assume not Neil Gaiman. I assume the other one. Yeah. Other uh, but season three
1: is, quote, very likely. Yeah. According to Deadline Hollywood's um, pulse. Uh, yeah. Good Omens is a good show. I like it. It has a very passionate fan base. And I hope mostly I, I, I hope for them that they get the third and final season. Neil Gaiman said it'll be the final season. I'll see how it wraps up. I've always liked yeah. the show. Nice British light sense of humor uh yeah. lightly blasphemous. It's fun. So yeah, go on with the, <laughs> on the third season. Some some light blasphemy. All right. Here is one for the Daniel Romans in the audience. Uh Daniel, yes. Outlander composer Bear McCreary is scoring the new Percy Jackson and the Olympian show on Disney Plus. Daniel, do you like composer Bear McCreary? I am I am rather fond of composer Bear
2: McCreary. I think he does great work. Uh he's getting almost a little overexposed for my taste because I, you know, he's just everywhere now. Um, So we know that Percy Jackson and the Olympians is going to have great music. Uh, (laughs) I, I almost wish we'd get a little less of bear McCreary, McCreary, just so I could appreciate it more when we do get him. Uh, But I'm, this seems like a great pairing. I'm excited for it. Bear McWorkaholic. Okay.
1: Uh, Hit me.
2: (laughs) Yes. Uh, Okay, so Netflix released more first look images of actors Mm -hmm. in costume from its Avatar The Last Airbender live action series. Um, So we've got Daniel Day Kim as fight. You talk about it. Yeah, names are say. there if you want. We it. have
1: Daniel day Kim as Firelight Ozai, Paul Sun-Hyung Lee as Uncle Iroh, Ken Leong as Commander Zhao, and Elizabeth Yu as Azula. I love this animated show Nickelodeon. I'm looking forward to the live-action thing. I mean, frankly, I'm a little more hopeful since One Piece did such a good job of turning anime into a live-action thing. I'm like, maybe they can pull it off again. Maybe this is a new era for Netflix. It's a great show, I hope the live-action remake does it justice. And those, and those pictures are pretty good. So I'm in. I think it's next year i'm not sure if we have an exact release date uh daniel right. deadpool 3 director sean levy speaking of somebody who's kind of been overexposed lately uh oh dodge's questions about whether taylor swift is in deadpool 3 as dazzler would yeah. you go see deadpool 3 if taylor swift was in it
2: I'm going to see Deadpool 3 no matter who's in it. It's going to be those movies are so fun, it's going to be great. But I do think it's funny that there have been rumors she's playing a, a mutant named Dazzler and Sean Levy was basically like, "You want me to talk about a Marvel thing and a Taylor Swift secret thing and that's two no-nos, so I'm just going to say no that's comment." Too much, man. It's too much. Sean Levy is seasoned. He knows how to play this game, people. <laughs> um, all right. Uh so Oh, this is this is good news for the boys fans out there. So Amazon has Those renewed the boys. the boys spinoff Gen V. It is getting season two.
1: Yeah, um, I I still haven't watched it, but I saw Thanks. someone on a plane on their phone watching Gen V, and I'm like, that's a good sign. Um, it must be catching on with people in general. If I just see a random stranger saying it, it looked good, good, and um, it was popular enough for it to be renewed. So maybe they they have something going on with this boy cinematic universe let's hear it for the boys okay um uh daniel oh look at this so there's a fantasy author named joe abercrombie who writes a series of uh books known as the first law books the first law universe and his book best serve cold is getting into a movie and abercrombie himself is involved in everything
2: Yeah, so this is exciting. This broke today. Uh, The director of this movie, who did the first Deadpool, Tim Miller, talked about how he has been working with Joe Abercrombie for like 12 years to bring his books to the screen. And uh, work is moving along really well on the best served cold movie. Uh, Tim Miller hopes that he'll be filming it very soon. Uh, He talks with Joe Abercrombie about it every day. And Abercrombie wrote the script. So I'm really hopeful for this one. That's boss his boss um all right uh, so dc veteran jay oliva will is going to direct a new animated wheel of
1: time prequel movie called the white tower okay so in essence that's cool news but again it is uh, semi-alarming to see how quickly all these series jump from one good show to cinematic universe they can't have Time. Mm -hmm. they have to have like a movie they can't have the boys they have to have gen v they can't have house of Dragon. they gotta have nine to seven kingdoms like everything's got spinoffs and i get it and you know what they seem to be finding more ways to make them good i feel like there is like more success i hope it's cool of course i hope it's cool and i made a pretty cool what the 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 real time movie which is good well, Daniel, everybody out there, this has been a fun show, as always. It's never not yes. fun on this show, except that one time. I won't say. <laughs> when. Um, So thanks for joining us. We're here every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, 3 p.m. on the East Coast, one in the mountains and noon on the West Coast to talk about all things sci-fi, fantasy, um, you know, movies and TV. Join us every week, live. Also, we're available on podcast. Our podcasts are available. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Give us a comment. I know you guys are good at that. We always like talking with you. And um, before we sign off, I want to say again that everything in this podcast we said about certain individuals was speculative, based on our own opinion, and not legally actionable. Um, nice. Respectfully yours, Dan's.
0: Thank you, Carol. This podcast is brought to you by Fan Join our community of over 300 sites from sports, to pop culture, and everything in between. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $129 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $249 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon.